Welcome to Healing City Podcast. My name is Eric Seepin. The following podcast features Ron Brown. Ron Brown will be talking about the defense for Christ, covering some of the prophecies and extra-biblical historical data. I hope you enjoy. Um, so the first thing I'll say is we actually do have a, quite a bit of it. Um, I wish there was more. But the thing is, it's like I'm actually kind of impressed that there is as much of as of it as there is. Because Psalm sixteen, just to, mm-hmm. Psalm oh, Psalm, 16, okay, Psalm sixteen the, about the decay. Very good. Okay, so and it's like think about it like if you were there at the time, and you were a non-Christian, and you started seeing some of the things that were impressing the the Christians, the miracles, the the resurrection, you know, like, yeah. like the, the, all that stuff. Would you still not be a Christian? Right. Yeah. And we have cases of people that were not Christians converting because of this. James, Jesus's brother, who was embarrassed by him making their family look stupid by right. acting like he's God, right. <laughs> and 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 Paul, who you know the, the show is named after, who is virulently anti-Christian. Yes. Right. But it's like it doesn't. And, and so the thing is, it's like if a person had seen these things as a non-Christian, they would probably become a Christian very quickly. And then now we wouldn't trust them again because, oh, they're Christians, so they're biased. Right. So there's that. But nevertheless, we actually do have a lot. So first off, I'll cite the Talmud, the uh, holy Jewish text that had been written several hundreds of years after the time of Christ. It acknowledges Christ as existing. It acknowledges Christ as being murdered. And it says that that murder was just because, you know, clearly they're not a fan right. of people pretending to be God because right. that's what they think. Mm-hmm. And... um and they didn't deny him pulling off what appeared to be supernatural feats. No, they just right. mis- they, they explained them differently. It's not godly. It's they're engaging in sorcery, the right. dark arts, witchcraft. Right. So is which is an implicit in it's no it's it's, it's an it's an admission that he's doing things that boggle reason. Right. So that's one thing. Next, let me go to a, a, a historian. His name is Josephus. He was Josephus. I'm sorry. I'm new. That's right. No. As a a, a YouTuber I I watch says, if a person mispronounces a word, don't make fun of them because it means they learned it by reading. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, you know, I I correct that one. There we go. That's what you're here for. Yeah. Um, So Josephus, he was devoutly Jewish. Jewish. He was an esteemed historian. So he's not going to just go writing things that are going to tarnish his own reputation. He was born in 37 AD, so about four years after the time of Christ, mm-hmm. being alive with plenty of people that were around for these events. In his writings, he referred to Jesus's brother, James, and to Jesus. In referring to Jesus, uh, uh, he referred to him as the man who, who, quote unquote, who is called Christ. So he's acknowledging that uh, at the very least, people, some people view him that way. Mm-hmm. And Christ is just Greek for Messiah, you know, the anointed one, you know, King, right. Yeah. There you go. Like, you know, the, the spirit, the kingdom of God kind of like coming yeah. to us. Um, he wrote that James was stoned to death for his beliefs in Jesus. And that was not the only case of extra biblical attestation of um, martyrdom for Christ in that time period. And, uh, and then he also cites that the crucifixion was performed under the direction of Pontius Pilate. So again, not Jewish, non-Christian, and, he, and at that point he was in ranks with the Romans. So he's like he had a, he had a foot in both camps that yes. hated Christianity. Yes. So that's him. Then there's Tacitus. So he was also non-Christian, and he was probably the most esteemed of all Roman historians of the time. 
he wrote in 1515, sorry, 115 AD, 115. So we're talking like 82 years or so after uh, the passing of Christ that Jesus, quote unquote, suffered the extreme penalty under the reign of Tiberius at the hands of Pontius Pilate. Uh, he said that, quote unquote, an immense multitude of Christians were convicted for being Christians, but still did not relent in their beliefs. And and it wasn't like he was trying to do any favors for Christians in that same writing. He called it a Christ, he called Christianity a superstition. Right. So not their friends. <clears throat> Speaking of not their friends, Roman governor Pliny the Younger wrote in hundred in one ten AD to one of his colleagues in a letter that was preserved that Which, it would by the way have you, have you read his letters? Um not like I've read They're like the, super boring and I know. yeah. The, <laughs> He's not a very interesting person. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's why he was torturing Christians, just maybe, to maybe just, make things interesting. Yes, he's but, also a little anxious about what he's supposed to do and how he's supposed to do it. Okay, yeah. good to know. Anyway, it's interesting. It's yeah. an interesting read. But, all right. So, but yeah, so Roman governor Pliny the Younger wrote in, 10, in 110 AD that it was a standard practice of his to interrogate Christians, and he would ask them three times— uh, if if they, if they said if if they gave him the wrong answer the first two you know do you do you believe do you accept Christ is he you know is he your savior whatever yeah. stuff like that and if they unto the third questioning continued to hold to to claim to the belief he would torture brutally and or kill them um and yet he referred to many Christians, many of these Christians as stubborn and obstinate, as even under torture and threat of death, they would not renounce Christ. Hmm. I hope they had a good reason for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and by the way, just so you get a sense of church history, one of the things that baffled the Romans was that a lot of these people they were torturing were women, which would be kind of unheard of for them you just don't torture women and mm. you don't even put them in jail you just don't care about them right and so but many of the women were leaders and so they were torturing them well and you just remind me of another thing was the people that first uh, uh came to see the uh the empty tomb were women yes and it's like back then the word of women was not taken heavily at all no. and so it's like if the writers of the bible wanted to be convincing to those around them why wouldn't they get a man to say it when people are going to trust them more well and if you see in the narrative the women women do go and tell the men and the men don't believe them <laughs> and jesus chastises them for not believing them but it gives you a little picture of the culture right that, yeah that yeah so it's an interesting thing why would you have women as your first testimony and right if you're trying to like deceive people yeah let's use our least trustworthy witnesses as yes. our first witnesses yes. that's a great idea yeah. <laughs> yeah. but um all right so where was I? No worries, no worries. And then, okay, so this last one, though, this one's just going to knock your socks off. It's incredible. In the New Testament, it is said that on the day of Jesus' crucifixion, the sky will go dark in the day. At the same time that the crucifixion was happening, um, hundreds of miles away in uh, Greece, there was a war occurring. Um, and so naturally, there were historians keeping records of the war at the exact same time period, I'm not sure if they nailed it down to the exact day, but if it wasn't nailed down with specificity to the exact day, it was certainly right in that time period. They documented that the sky went dark for hours in the middle of that day. So an eclipse right. is, is essentially what we're talking about here. Now that's just freaky. Like that's just, wow. So when I read that again, you know, like 
in Arizona, we don't wear socks often because it's hot, but mine were knocked off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. So I, I think I've given, you know, internal, bi- internal biblical prophecy. And then I've, I think I've given lots of external, you know, corroborations, but let me just sum it all up. Uh, so first off, you know, the new Testament is not just one book. Uh, it was written by a multitude of people, several of whom were initially not followers of Christ. Uh, and likewise, the old Testament is not one book. It's many books written by many, many people. Uh, so we shouldn't just treat it as one book, like treat it as like the star Wars movie where like, it's just an internal confirmation of a story. Right. Um, their writings contain many prophecies, uh, um, that, that have been fulfilled and those prophecies had been written hundreds or thousands of years earlier. Uh, there is no way that the Jewish authorities would allow for corruption of their text, especially in a situation where it's helping a blast the, the worst blasphemer they could think of. Um, there is no way that Jesus could have deliberately fulfilled most of the prophecies uh, because a lot of the, those actions were not up to him. They were, they were contingent on the decisions of others. Um, at the time of the writing of the New Testament books, there were plenty of Jewish and Romans who could have written against the claims of the early Christians and spread the word far and wide. The early Christians persisted in their beliefs and, uh, and spreading of their faith in the face of torture and death. And lastly, many key details of the story of Christ and other prophecies are supported by non-Christian historical sources. That's pretty good. Thanks, Ron. That was pretty crazy. That was a lot of information to kick out. Yeah. I think what I, and one of your gifts, it seems, or skills is to um, take a lot of information and, and bring it down to uh, some really good talking points. And that's not easy, right? No. Because it in some ways puts you at uh, risk in both places. So your previous podcast... Um, you could get accused because you were distilling things and trying to really make clear arguments that you didn't steel man it as steely as you could. Yeah. And the same accusation could come here from Christians of like, okay, well, you didn't give enough information. Yeah. But or give enough reason. But what I think in both of these was they're just beautiful um, summaries and articulations of the main talking points and things mm-hmm. that are really important to have a conversation about. Yeah. Right. And to wrestle with. Right. These are things you can't. Um, just say, yeah, whatever on either side, right? You got to deal with these things and wrestle with them and talk Mm -hmm. about them. Um, the prophetic, the extra biblical, um, and really like the design arguments that you talked about and the moral arguments that you talked about last week, um, are really things that, you know, Christians and non-Christians alike can't ignore. We have to talk Mm -hmm. about these Mm -hmm. and wrestle with them. Um, so anyway, that's cool. I really enjoyed it. I think it's very fun and informative. Um, that's why I didn't interrupt a lot. It's just (laughs) fun to listen to you talk about them. I never get tired of hearing those things. So anyway, I have one question and I don't know, you know, if you can answer this or not, but, um, as you think about your, because this, these are the things that got you to the, mm-hmm. to think about it, yeah. to be there. Right. And you're not saying that these arguments are the things that are going to make you a convert or get you into the kingdom of God or dismantle all of your, you know, agnostic atheist structures right it was this it was a critical and necessary starting point with uh without which the rest could not happen right. um so that's why my testimonial i said i had to be one over intellectually first brain first first heart second right and so this was the starting point and then 
all of a sudden, like, you know, for the first several days of me entertaining these beliefs, as I mentioned previously, I just started feeling better, more at peace, better to others, better to myself. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I shouldn't just believe something just because it makes me feel good. But then it's, I, I I need evidence. And I'm like, well, okay, in one hand, there's all these prophecies. And on the other hand, it's like, maybe this is, like, it could totally be a placebo effect. But it's like, if you start doing something and everything gets better, maybe you're onto something. You know it's what true. I mean? You know? True. So, but yeah, but to the atheist, yes, it could all be a placebo. Totally grant that. Um, well, let me ask, okay. Yeah. So, but that, that's a good answer. So, if you were, so I'm listening and I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I'm willing to think about this stuff. Where would you say somebody should start if they're like going to go down the similar journey that you went down? Like how, how do I begin to read these things? Where would I begin to like really dig in? Because not everyone's as resourceful as you, right? Not everyone is like, ah, I could maybe they don't have a mind like yours in the way you analyze things. I would recommend heavily the book, uh, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. That was my primary. I've gone through it three times. Wow. (laughs) That one was critical. Um, Yeah. Okay. So you just start start reading that book. Well, so what happened was my friend John, who I've mentioned many times now, he's the one that like introduced the prophecies to me. Okay. Uh, which got me halfway to conversion within like an hour. Um, and you know, so what he told me that. So I'm like, I, I gotta look into this. So I called Michael and I asked if he could recommend anything, and he recommended that book. In fact, he gave it to me. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. And I've highlighted it mercilessly. <laughs> he's not getting it back. <laughs> I buy him beer sometimes, it all evens out. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, that, that I would heavily recommend that book definitely okay so start with the case for christ would be a good place if you want to begin okay so what if um like here's a question i have because i I think you have you seem to be a man who has had two very like your guy goes all in right you're you're an all-in kind of guy but being an all-in kind of guy (laughs) means that you also have all in kind of doubt i suspect it right? just, you just reminded me of something a couple of days ago i was hanging out with michael in ashley Cousineau, and michael asked me he said ron do you do anything slow i'm like no because <laughs> right. whenever every time he sees me get into something i'm just like whole hog into it like immediately right but right. anyhow sorry yeah no that makes sense so what do you do now because i'm sure it's do you have moments where we would call like you know the the dark night of the soul where you're like shoot Maybe I am on the wrong, like, maybe, maybe my old beliefs were right. Maybe, do you ever have any of that anxiety that maybe, you know, to have doubt? A little bit. Yeah. A yeah. little bit. Yeah. Like it's not totally gone. My goal is like, I would love to get to the point of complete unfettered faith, yeah. like doubt free, but that probably is not a reasonable ask. Mm-hmm. I imagine that most Christians would not describe themselves as such. Right. And most who do are probably lying. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, Yeah. Yeah, we usually say the opposite of faith is not doubt, but unbelief. So there's a difference because mm-hmm. doubt actually is evidence of faith, right? Why is that? Well, because doubt means that you actually have to believe something, right? Oh, you have to okay, take yeah, it. Yeah. You're not, you're actually analyzing the the, the pros and cons. And yeah. The, is right. this actually, is the evidence um, something that's worthy of embracing and believing in and stepping into? And is it trustworthy or not? And Although I guess a person could say, though, too, that it doesn't necessarily imply faith. It, it could just be like, okay, I realize that's a potentiality sure. uh, I, that I don't hold. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'll, I'll entertain it for the sake of argument if you want yes, to. Yes. So, so what do you do with your doubt when you have those moments? 
uh, I don't know. They're not, they're not really these big moments. Okay. You know. Yeah. I, I, so when you, I mean, you steel man, you said the arguments, and you as you were reciting them, and you're like, these are good arguments. There's something you says, but they're not as good enough for me. Uh, which are the the atheist ones? Yeah. Well, it's just okay. So I remember when I said to my friend John when he first started dropping those prophecies about the the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Yeah. I think my exact words were somewhere along the lines of, "Oh my God! Like you just, you just completely relieved me of one of my biggest arguments against belief, which is that." Maybe there is a God, but how do we know it's your God? And why should I act like your God is any more likely than any of an infinite variety of other potential gods? Right, right. It's like, okay, well, yeah, here's a whole bunch of prophecies. It's like, okay, that gives me a reason to treat yours with special priority, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. Uh, no, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, well, those are really the only two questions uh, I had. Um, maybe one other thing, as you've been uh, researching and doing this stuff and reading Case for Christ, uh Okay, let's just say I'm done reading Case of Christ. I've read the Bible, but I want more historical yeah. l- looking in. Well, have you found some other sources that you've enjoyed? Or well, what I do is like I, I kind of like so for, especially for the historical sources, or and, and and even all of them actually. Like, you know, if something is st- said to be said in the Bible and it's important, I'll go. Re- I'll look at my Bible. I'm like, yep, there it is, and um, and then it's like I'll go look up things online. Like when I read that mind-blowing daniel 9 25 to 27 you know the the one with all the sevens right. i went and looked it up i was like all right uh you know like i can't remember my exact google search terms but i went and searched for like who made that order to rebuild jerusalem bam him when did he do it well his reign was right around 450 bc add 83 to that oh 33 ad <laughs> right so it's like you know I, like when whenever i could possibly find some kind of sure. external historical corroboration i would try and find it okay yeah so just kind of back to you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, is there anything else you want to add to all of this? Any thoughts? Or... Uh, uh, no, that's pretty much it. Uh, and so, yeah. Um, so my friend Nathan, he is invited to come on and record uh, record uh, any kind of response he may have if he has any. Um, he's an extremely <laughs> worthy adversary. Uh, he's one of the smartest, well-read people you'll ever meet. And he is an atheist and he's not afraid to tell you yeah. that. And he's come to the village. Yeah. He... But, but, but he never denies his atheism. He's, no. he's very clear about it. Yeah, and um, so if he has any disagreements, I want to have that come on. But what I'm really looking forward to is getting into what this podcast is about, which is to analyze the wisdom of the Bible and of Christian practices, and to show non-believers that these are very valuable things. Um, and while they have their theological relevance, you can look at them from a secular perspective and just be like, wow, that is excellent wisdom. Wow, that is right. a very useful practice. And I, I, I just want to start doing that. And so I'll be analyzing things like, um, you know, like, the. well, I, I don't want to go into yeah, it too yeah, much well, now. Well, but yeah, but it'll well, be fun. I, and one of the things to say about it is like, there's this movement and culture over the last, uh, I would say, you know, 10, 15 years, but it's really picked up with Jordan Peterson is the relooking at virtue. And yeah. and and people adopting virtue and 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 really practicing it, and so I think your argument is definitely, and what we'll be discussing is the Bible is a beautiful virtue book, a book of virtues of which you can learn great things 
from. Um, and though we think it will lead you into a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't have to. No. It doesn't have to at all. It's still to be beneficial. Yeah, and I will admit that, like, ever since I became a true, like, a, a believer, like, the benefits of, of the, this church have just magnified greatly. But that's but I was benefiting from it even before that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's yeah. that, and 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 so like yeah, and like this series, it is going to be heavily inspired by Jordan Peterson's uh, textual analyses. Sure, but one thing I'm going to try and do <laughs> better than Jordan is he's amazing, but he just goes on and on and on forever. Yes, yes. Uh, and and his, you don't sound like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> well, I'm working on it. <laughs> but the, 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 so yeah, in his first episode or his first installment of his uh, the psychological significance of the Bible, which is basically what I'm trying to copy in a lot of ways. Uh, he spent about an hour and a half talking about the first sentence of yeah, the Bible. Yeah. So I'm going to try and go at least three times faster than that. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. And and I I've certainly will will add my, my two cents to all that as we go along. Um, but I'm really excited. So here here's another thing. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, okay, I would like Ron to explain some more things about, say, the moral argument mm-hmm. or the design argument uh, and get into some. And I have questions about that. Please email us at healingthecity at gmail.com and say this is for Ron. And then Ron can um, adjust things he's doing to answer those questions. And if you want more, if you got more questions about the uh, the defense for Christianity that he put forward, um, or you want him to expand on a few things, you can ask him questions there and, and we'll chime in and try to... to answer questions and and tailor some things for that so i'm excited about all this yeah this will be good all right everybody thank you for listening to us this is healing city <laughs>